The worst day of the school year for me was school picture day. On school picture day, they would line us up in this long line by alphabetical order. And then we would all walk to a particular room and we would stand one in front of the other person until they called your name. And when they called your name, they actually had everybody else in your class in that room making faces at you. And then you finally got to the point where it was time for you to, you know, take the picture. And you only got one take. Just one shot. And that was it. And so you would stand there. One, two, three, and whether or not you had a pimple on your face or something in your teeth or you're kind of like, oh, you know, looking kind of weird, they were going to take your picture and that would define you for the rest of your eighth grade year. Look at my eighth grade picture right here. Maddening. It's just like, that's not good. And it was horrible. Now, this is what I know. If you're less than 30 years old right now, this is foreign to you. Because when you get your picture taken, when you were 30 or less, you would get your picture taken. It was a digital camera. They'd say, hey, look at this picture. Do you like it? And if you didn't like it, they'd take a few more. And, and that was it. And uh, then they would actually go Photoshop it. And if there was a blemish, if there was some issue that they had, they would filter it out. Everything would be fine. And if you were still not happy with that, I just learned this this last week. You know what they actually have now? Retake days. Like after they've, uh, you know, done the filtering and all the Photoshopping and all that kind of stuff. If they still do not like their picture. You can get it retaken a second time. There were no retake days, folks, I'm telling you, when it was mine. I mean, you just prayed to God that you did not have a pimple. But if you had a pimple, this is what you did. You popped it and you hoped for the best. Because that was it. There was nothing more. It was not a good day, as you could tell from my picture. Well, I share that with you today because the truth is, is that we live in a very filtered world. Every single picture we take, every selfie that we have, we are constantly doing something with it. If we're not happy with it, we take care of the blemish. We can actually change the color of our eyes. If you don't like your blue eyes, you can have brown eyes. If you don't like your brown eyes, you can have blue eyes. You can do anything you want to take care of that so that you have a perfect picture. I mean, you can filter your life and you can show the people who you think they want you to be. But there's no authenticity with that. There's no realness with that. And there's no transparency. It's just a filtered picture of yourself. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning. And if you would just kind of pull out on your uh, phone, you can, the app. But this is your first fill-in, and it's this. The more filtered our lives become, the more difficult it is to be authentic. The more filtered our lives become, 
the more difficult it is to be authentic. Folks in our culture today, uh, we are so trained to actually live a filtered life. We can make the picture better. We can make whatever it is around us better. And when we Send it out to the rest of the world. The reason why we go through all of the trouble to make sure that it's filtered and it's perfect is because we want what? Likes. We all want likes. We all want some thumbs up. We want some affirmation, some approval that, wow, I look good or what I just said sounds good. And pretty soon... The trouble is we live such a filtered life that who we were created to be is not necessarily who we project anymore. We're no longer who we are and who God created us to be. Well, this is the good news, and it is the fact that this concept of living a filtered life did not just begin with us. It's been going on since the very beginning when human beings were created. In fact, when God first created the first two human beings, do you remember their names? What is it? Adam and Eve. That's right. When Adam and Eve were married, they were God's masterpiece. He had spent all this time and energy to create them. And he places them in this garden. And it's paradise. And no human being has ever experienced what Adam and Eve did, where they walked with God in the morning and they experienced his presence. They were fully known and they were fully loved and they experienced the fullness of God. And as they walked through their life, they had no shame. They had no guilt. They had no regrets of their life. There were no filters. There were no masks. There were no secrets. But then Adam and Eve sinned. And the thing is, is that we look at that story most of the time and we think, oh, it's because they ate the fruit. Folks, it's not about the fruit. What it's about is that they wanted to be their own God. They disobeyed God and said, we don't trust you with our life. We're going to do life the way that we want. And when they did that, it created a separation. And when that separation took place, the scripture actually tells us they felt shame For the very first time, they were afraid. And when you're afraid, what do you do? You hide. And that's what we've been doing since that point as human beings. We just have perfected how we can hide ourselves from others. They covered themselves up. They said, God, we don't want you to see the real us. Had they just come to him and said, God, we're so sorry. Would you forgive us? It would have changed the way everything works. But I know what's true about them is true about you and I. When we mess up, when we screw up, when we flub up, rather than going directly to God, we feel shame and guilt and we walk away and we try to filter ourselves to say, God, I'm not who this person was. This is who I am. And we filter, but we never come to our true authentic selves. Well, the truth is it just didn't stop with Adam and Eve, but people kept hiding more and more, person after person. And then finally, God created this guy named Moses, and he's like, well, maybe he's the one that will stop the hiding. He'll stop covering. He'll he'll stop filtering his life. And he says, well, I want to show that 
maybe this is the one. And so he gets so close to him and he invites him up to be with him, just he and God. And there's this burning bush that comes. It's the presence of God. And they're on this mountain called Mount Sinai. And he receives the Ten Commandments. And the scripture says that he was immersed in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights. Just him and God. And it was heaven on earth. And finally, Moses begins to start walking down the mountain. And as he's walking down, the scripture says that the glory of God was like just oozing out of him. Everybody could see that. Isn't that cool? Like you're glowing. I mean, sometimes when I'm teaching up here really well, I get a tent. That was supposed to be a joke, okay? Like I start to sweat and there's a little funk there, but my, you know, my, the, the lights change my color and I have a little bit of glow, but it's not quite the glow that Moses had. In fact, it was glowing so much, the scripture says that he actually had to put a veil over his face. He put a filter on. And my question has always been, well, why? Well, Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus's closest friends, he kind of tells us why Moses did this, why he put the veil over his face. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, or chapter 2, verse 3, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says this. Paul, what you need to realize is that he's talking to a group of Christians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he's talking to them. He planted this church, then he comes to them, and he writes to them these words. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face. Then watch the next part. To prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Now, I used to always think that the reason that Moses put this veil over his face after he's been in the presence of God is because he was trying to protect the people. But if you actually look in Exodus chapter 34, and for some of you can write that down, read Exodus 34. What we find is that he actually meets the people first and then he puts the veil on. He doesn't have the veil on as he's walking down. He actually meets the people and then he puts the veil on. And so the question becomes, why did he put the veil on? And Paul implies that Moses did not put it on to protect the people. He put the veil over his face because the glory of God was starting to pass away. The presence of God was starting to leave him. And he didn't want people to see it fading away. You know, maybe nothing, no item has been more controversial than this in our culture over the past year. Nobody likes these. No one wakes up in the morning and is like, Woo, I hope I can wear my mask today. Like, everybody hates these things. I get it. But I was thinking about it over the past few months as I was preparing. You know, the real problem, folks, is not this. 
The real problem is that before COVID ever came, many of us were already wearing one of these. Many of us have been wearing a veil for a long time. For some of us, maybe months, maybe years, maybe for some of you, it's been decades that you've been filtering your life from other people, even from God. And Paul implies that this is what Moses is doing. He's experienced the presence of God, but now it's starting to leave. It's starting to fade from him. And so he puts on this veil. And folks, we all tend to do this. By nature, every single person here is insecure. Now, some of you guys are like, I ain't insecure. I'm the man. I don't know what you. Yeah, you are. You're a little wuss, you know. We all have some insecurities. We all have, you know, the fact that there are areas of our lives that we don't feel good about ourselves. There are things that we do sometimes that we just are like, uh, and when we sin, rather than immediately going to God and saying, God, I'm so sorry for this, we tend to put on a veil. We tend to put on a mask. We put, tend to filter ourselves to look different than we are. You know, there's an area in my life that I have tried to mask for years and years and years. But finally, by the glory of God, it has changed and I've been able to overcome this. And the thing that I've been trying to filter for much of my life is my nose. My nose, in particular, a profile picture, I will do anything I can to keep from having a profile picture. I will do whatever it takes. I will contort my body when a picture is coming so that you only see me straight on. Because at the age of two, I broke my nose and my parents were so loving, they said, just deal with it. And so for 49 years, I've dealt with it. The last time that I took a profile picture was on July 23rd, 1994, and that's when I got married. Now look at this picture. You see Jennifer's cute little nose, nice little nose. Then you look at my nose that has grown since that time to become bigger and bigger and larger and uglier, and she's still with me. And one time, you know, you you go to King's Island or Disney or something and you get a caricature picture of yourself. And I thought the guy was doing one straight on, but he actually, yeah, he's doing one from the profile. And all you see is nose. So for years, I've always been self-conscious about ever getting my picture taken from a profile. I, I, again, I would contort my body, do whatever, always be the person, hey, you know, whatever, to not have a profile picture. And then all of a sudden, this year came, I turned 49. And I finally thought, I'm 49. I don't care what my nose looks like. My wife thinks I have a big nose. And she still loves me. And so now I've just decided I'm going to take profile pictures of myself and send it out to my friends. And so I did. I took a picture and this is what it looks like. 
Now, you might think that's Brad Pitt, but that is not Brad Pitt. That is Brad. That is me. But I have my own nose and you can see it up there real quickly. Now, the reason I joke with all of this is because all of us got something, folks, that we're trying to hide. We're trying to put a veil over. We're trying to put a mask on. And honestly, the physical appearance, when we filter it, is the easiest of it all. But the question that I want to ask you this morning is this. What veil are you wearing? What veil in your life are you wearing? What are you trying to portray to the rest of the world That maybe isn't really you. For example, uh, there's some ways that people do this. Some people will go and they'll be like, I'm spiritual guy. I'm spiritual girl. And you look at their Facebook page or their Instagram and they got their little coffee. They've got the Bible opened up and they're like, look what I'm reading and everything's going so great. But the truth is, folks, when you pull back the curtain, when you take the veil off, the reality is there's a secret sin in some of your lives that you've been hiding away for years and years and years. And it haunts you. But you've never confessed it to God. You've never confessed it to another single person that you trust. And so you just keep putting up that image. I'm spiritual guy. I'm spiritual girl. How about with it moms? Maybe you're a with it mom. A with it mom is they take a picture of them and their kids making cookies together. Or with their kids at this sporting event or at this activity. And all of a sudden you send this picture out and you're like, hey, I'm with my kids and it's all going great and I'm with it, mom, and everything's good and it's wonderful. And yet you're overwhelmed, you're exhausted, and you feel like you have no friends and you don't have a life. And there's a piece of you that you know, I'm not a good mom. There's this one area that if everybody knew, sometimes I yell at my kids. Sometimes I go off on them. Sometimes I wish they weren't around. You don't share it because you got to be with it, mom. I'm with it, mom. And then, you know, kind of the uh, obligatory anniversary picture. People take the picture and they're like, look at my little boo. Look at my girl. Look at my husband. He's so amazing. And and there's this picture that you take and you reveal it to everybody. But the reality is your marriage is a mess. And you don't know if it's ever going to be back to where it is. And you're like, I don't even know if I want to keep on doing it this way. But you got to show the picture that it's all good and everything's fine. Now, I know some of you are saying right now, Uh, hey, Chris, does this mean that I have to be true and honest about everything when I put it out on social media? Well, yes, you do. You need to be true about whatever it is that you post, that you share. For example, uh, on Fridays, many times I'll, I'll make a post and I'll say, hey, I'm looking so forward to the teaching this weekend. You all should come. You all should be a part of this. This is going to be great. And I believe that. And that is true. 
But also, sometimes I don't put the true things out there either. Some Sunday or some Fridays, I'm like, this thing's going to be horrible. I mean, I've been working at this teaching. I can't even believe it. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. The wife's driving me crazy. The kids are driving me crazy. You know, church people are fighting with each other. I'm not sure there's going to be anything that I can say that's going to encourage anyone. You know why I don't put those out? Because I want you to come on Sunday. Now, this Sunday was not one of those days, so you're in luck, you know, but 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 I don't do that. Now, this is what the bottom line is for this. Everything that we say or share must be true. But everything that is true does not have to be shared on social media. Let me say that again. Anything that you post or you share should be true. But everything that is true, folks, does not have to be posted out there. Because for some of you, you're oversharers. You just share too much. And you know what? The, the reality is everyone doesn't want to know your opinion about every single thing. They really don't. And they don't want to know what you think about everybody, especially the people that are close. One of the things that makes me cringe sometimes is when I see a post on social media that says, man, our daughter is really messed up. Please be praying for her. Uh, like if the daughter sees that, do you think she's going to get less messed up? No, it's going to be more. Or, you know what? Man, my husband, he's far from God. I hope you know that, you know, he's close to just going to hell. But I love the jerk, so would you pray for him? Every time I see one of those, I don't pray for the the wife. I pray for the husband to say, oh, God, don't kill her. You know, like who wants to put that out on social media? Folks, social media is not the place where you always have to reveal everything. It's not where you have to remove your veil because you need some likes. You need some affirmation. You need some attention. But if you don't remove the veil face to face with people, periodically, you will never become Who God has created you to be. Because for us to truly be authentic, we have to be vulnerable at times with God and just one other trusted person. You don't have to do it with tens of thousands of people on social media or ten people in your little group. Just one person. Well, Paul goes on to say in verse 15, he says these words, Even to this day, when Moses is read, what happens? What's it say? A veil covers their what? Their hearts. Now, don't miss this. For some of you, if you've fallen asleep, come back, come back. You're on your phones, whatever. Those of you online, if you've gone to another room, come back. This is what I want you to get. This might be worth the price of admission right here. And it's this. A veil that first covers your face eventually will cover your heart. A veil that first covers your face will eventually cover your heart. You see, what starts out as like a a superficial kind of covering 
often becomes a spiritual condition where we start hiding everything. We, we hide small things first, but then they get really big. And we start with the face, but eventually we start filtering our heart. Instead of sharing exactly what's going on and who we are and what we've done and what's happened, we, we just filter our heart. Because we're afraid. This is the biggest fear that we have. If people really knew, if God really knew, he already does, by the way. But if God really knew what I did, what I said, what it was, that people just would not like me. And so conversations in life go something like this. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Well, how's your marriage going? Oh, our marriage is going fine. Well, how's your relationship going? Oh, it's going great. My relationship with God is is going great. And the reality is, is that there are so many parts in our life that we haven't shared with another person for years or decades because we just keep wearing a veil. And this is a sad thing with social media. Some of us have gotten so good at showing the fake self that we honestly don't even know who we are anymore. We've gotten so good at filtering everything else, you know, kind of like the top ten list of our life that we think we're living that, but the normal is not that. And suddenly we're all living, we're all living for the likes. Do you like my hairstyle? Do you like the way I, the shirt that I'm wearing? Do you like my new dog? Do you like my new car? Do you like my house? Do you like me? Please tell me. Do you like, oh, oh, oh. But there's no one there and we go off to bed and it doesn't matter how many likes you have at the end of the day. Sometimes you just feel alone. And all the time, we're living for likes, but we're longing for love. Let me say that again. We're going through life. We're living for those likes. But what we're really longing for is love. You see, the problem is when we start filtering our lives and we show ourselves better than what we actually are because we're trying to impress other people. You might impress some people, but you never connect. You never connect at a, a deep level. And I don't want you to miss this. So everybody look up here for a second, all of you online. I don't want you to miss this next piece. And it's this. We may impress people with our strengths, but we connect through our weaknesses. It's very easy for you to impress people with your strengths and what you can do with technology to make it look different. But I'm telling you, the way that you connect with people the most is by revealing your weaknesses. I bet this has happened to you before. You meet somebody for the very first time. They walk into a room. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at church. Maybe it's with your family. They walk in and you're like, man, they're perfect. And they'd be like, man, they, the, more, the more they talk, they got a perfect marriage. They got perfect kids. They got perfect everything. I can't stand them. 
Because we can't stand that perfection. We're like, ah, I just can't deal with it. And then all of a sudden you get to know them a little bit better. And you start realizing that they struggle with the same things that they struggle with, with, that you struggle with. And they struggle with this and they struggle with that. And they struggle with the other thing. And there's these struggles. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I like that person. And the question is, what has changed? Because now you're able to actually connect through your weaknesses. Folks, so often we try to impress the world with, here's the me I want you to see. And there's something deeper in each of us that we are longing for. Now, typically at this point in the teaching, what I would do is give you some practical uh, suggestions to take what I've been talking about and apply it to your life. For example, I might say something like this. Try to be yourself. That's good advice. Don't filter so much in your life. That's good advice. You know, don't care what everyone else thinks about you. That would be good advice. Don't worry about your big nose that people see from a profile. That'd be good advice. But more than giving you good advice, what I'd like to do is finish by giving you godly advice. Because good advice will only go so long, but godly of godly advice will last for eternity. And don't miss this. Again, this might be worth it all. Don't miss this point. Only Christ can remove your veil. Only Christ and Christ alone can remove your veil. Some of you have been trying to do it yourself or you're hiding yourself and you can't do it. In verse 16, Paul says this. But whenever anyone, what? What's the next phrase? Turns to the Lord, what happens? The veil is taken away. When anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is actually taken away. Folks, some of you have been turning to everyone and every person for your likes and your affirmation, and you still don't have it because you're turning to the wrong person. But when you turn to the Lord, you don't even have to worry about removing the veil yourself. He'll do it for you. When you turn to the Lord, he will remove your veil. And suddenly you're not getting your approval from somebody else. You're getting your approval from the one who created you and who knows you best and who loves you the most. You see... When it hit me in my life at a point where I was struggling the most at the age of 26. And I realized I was at a point where God was all that I had. I finally realized that God was all that I needed. It wasn't until I realized that God was all that I had that I finally realized God was all I needed. And I didn't have to seek the approval of every other person. I just needed to seek the approval of an audience of one. And then all of a sudden, my identity, when you do this, is not based upon how many followers you have, but it's based on the one that you're following. And I'm following Jesus Christ, and because I am, He removes the veil from my face, and He allows me to live the authentic life that He's called me to live. And in verse 17, Paul goes on and says this, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? 
What is it? Yeah, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what church? Freedom. There is freedom. And we all who, the scripture goes on to say, with unveiled faces. When the spirit of the Lord is upon you, there's freedom. You don't have to veil your face anymore. You can show the good, the bad, the ugly, the warts and all because you know you're loved by an an amazing God with unveiled faces. And look what it says. It doesn't say me. It says we because life is always better together. We contemplate the Lord's glory. You see, folks, it's not about me. It's not about how many selfies I can take. Like if I could take just a few more selfies, ha, you know. It's not about living in a selfie world. No. I exist to give glory to God. And we contemplate the Lord's glory. And then when we do that, what happens? The scripture says transformation comes not into any person that we think others want us to be, but we're transformed into the image of Christ himself. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and he unveils our faces. Folks, I'm just telling you, the more that you filter your lives, the more difficult it is for you to be your authentic self. But when you turn to the Lord, he unveils your face and you are transformed into the image of who you were created to be, a follower of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, today there are uh, many people who are in this auditorium or who are watching on the stream. And they've been wearing a veil. They've been wearing a filter. And the Spirit of God I just ask that you would come and that you would speak to people right now, maybe at their deepest place where they're filtering their life. And maybe today God is calling you to a life of authenticity. And today, if you want him to actually remove the veil from your face, then I'm going to invite you to do something bold. And for those of you that are on the stream, even if you're in a room by yourself, you can do this as well. But if you're like, I'm tired of just continuing to just wear a veil, it's getting exhausting to filter everything in my life. I just want you to raise your hand say, yep, that's me. I don't want to do this anymore. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for each hand that's raised, remind them right now that they are your child and you are head over heels in love with them. 
that there is nothing they can do to make you love them more and there's nothing you can do to make them love you less. You just love them as is and you will remove the veil from their lives so they can be their true authentic selves. For where the spirit of the Lord is, God, there is freedom and God brings freedom to you right now. Freedom come to those who have a raised hand, God, when it comes to this issue. You can put your hand down. Now, maybe for some of you, the truth is you're an approval junkie. You're always trying to seek to please the people around you, to seek their approval. And you can't really think that I've ever lived a life where I actually sought the approval of God. If you're like that, I get you. Because for over half of my life, that's what I did. I just tried to seek the approval of everyone else around me. And for this group, I was this way. And this group, I was that way. For my parents, I was this way. When I'd go to church, I was that way. And eventually, it just gets so exhausting that you're like, I just want to be me. And that's who God created you to be. God created you to be the unique person that you are. He didn't ask you to try to get more likes than your sister or your brother or more likes than your friends. He just wants you to be you. And he says, if you'll turn to me and if you'll turn to my son, I'll remove the veil and you'll have freedom like you've never had before. Because you can walk through your life being who I've created you to be. And so today, if your day is the day that you're like, Jesus, please remove this veil. Take this mask off. God, I don't want to live a filtered life anymore. I want you to be present in and within me. Then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself. But it's a prayer that everyone here in the auditorium will be praying with you. And that those on this stream will be as well. And for those of you in the auditorium, if you're like, man, this is me, man, I needed this teaching. I've just been wearing a mask so long. I want it off. If that's you, today's your day to say, God, I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of always filtering everything. I'm coming just as I am. And the good news is, is that Jesus accepts you exactly where you're at because he loves you that much. And so maybe today you're like, I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. I need his love. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer together because we never pray alone. We pray in community. It's not me, but it's we who are seeking God together. And so I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Remove the veil of sin that is in my life. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.